Hey, let's dive into the message tonight. I'm, I'm really excited. I want to go into 1 Samuel 16, 1 through 13. It's not going to be long. I recognize the time. My goal is to always have you out of here by 830. Um, and so uh, I'm going to read 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1 through 13. And I just have five thoughts. I've been thinking about this. It's been in my quiet time. Uh, and it's just, it's a little raw um, just because I feel like God's been speaking to me about it, kind of where I'm at. Uh, and so I'm just going to read the verses, the passage, and I'm just going to share the thoughts with you. And I, I hope it blesses you. You can pull out your message notes if you'd like. First Samuel 16, 1 through 13. I'm going to skip around a little bit, but they'll have it up on the, on the screen. It is a lot, so let's, let's just go into the word. It says, The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? So this is the story of David and God anointing David as king over Israel. He's rejected Saul, who was the king. Tonight's a believer's service, so I would expect most of you would know the story of King David being anointed. But if you don't, uh, we'll read through it, and then I think you'll be able to follow along with us. But it's an amazing story of how God found David where David was and anointed him for the future call that he had on his life. And Samuel was the prophet. He was the one that would ordain and establish the king over the people. And so God sends Samuel out because Saul's been rejected. He says, fill your horn with oil. Be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've chosen one of his sons to be king, so I'm, I'm replacing Saul. And so Samuel did what the Lord said in verse 4. <clears throat> when he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled. When they met him, they asked, do you come in peace? He's a man of God. You don't want him to come in judgment. So they're kind of freaking out like, hey, man, why are you here? Samuel replies, no, in peace. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come and sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. Now, what's interesting here is this is really a cover for Samuel because if Saul would have found out Samuel was pursuing to anoint another king, he would have killed Samuel. And so you can imagine Samuel rolls out on the scene. They're going to go do these sacrifices, but really what they're having is a party. It's like Samuel's like, let's have a party, and I'm going to see which one of your sons, Jesse, are the one that God has anointed to, the king, to be king. Now, you can imagine... He's told Jesse, get your sons. Come on, let's all join together. And so you would assume that's what's taken place, but it hasn't necessarily. It says, then they arrived. Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before me. So he's judging by, based on looks. Anybody ever been judged on your looks? Anybody ever judged others on your looks? So Samuel was not impervious to this. He's doing the same thing. Saul would have been head and shoulders above the rest. So when God chose Saul, he clearly stood out among the people, which is why it's so interesting that he didn't fight Goliath. He would have stood up head and shoulders of everybody else. You would have thought that would have been a man who would have slain the giant or at least fought him, but he didn't because he didn't have God's heart. And so Samuel's looking like, God, are you going to replace Saul with another person like him. And look at what God says. He says, no, don't consider the appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at, everybody say it, the heart. So he's looking at the heart. Verse 10, Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen any of these. So he asked Jesse, are there any other sons? So in other words, look, I thought we were partying with your family. I thought everybody was here, and, and, and Samuel's like, I'm a little confused because uh, the, the one God's chosen is not here. Do you have anyone else? And Jesse answers, still the youngest, 
is not here. He's tending sheep, said Samuel. Send for him, and I will not sit until he arrives. Verse 12, so he sent for him, and he had him brought in. He was glowing with health and a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him, for this is the one. And then verse 13, Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully on David. Now, I love this story. David is one of my greatest heroes in the Bible. David, Joseph, Daniel, those are really my top three. Uh, There's so many things you can learn on David. I'm going to talk about another facet in a couple of weeks. But the thing I love about this is that David is a young boy that God anoints to be king. And as we see the life of David, David actually becomes one of the greatest kings that's ever lived. Second, maybe only to Solomon because of his wisdom. But here we see a man who God has anointed. He becomes one of the greatest kings. But before he becomes a king, there is a process of preparation. And so in tonight, what I want to talk about is the process for preparation. That See, David didn't become king overnight. God anoints him to be king. But yet God doesn't move or establish him to be king. Theologians believe it took another 10 years before he would sit on the throne. And not even over all the the kingdom, but only half the kingdom. It would be Judah is the one that would bring him in. But it would take 10 years. Can you imagine the moment God unlocks a dream on the inside of your heart? You think, God, surely this is the moment. Surely you have anointed, because that's the interesting thing here too, is that David was anointed now for the future. So he had to sit where he was, full of the anointing, but yet not able to operate in the capacity that his anointing would lead him to. And so we see that in his life. It's an amazing thing. The process for us of preparation, it's not easy. It's not, you know, every one of us, you're not going to be the king of Israel, but God has given you dominion over something. There is something in your life that God has called you to rule and to reign over, and you can be anointed for a thing, but yet not qualified for that thing at this moment. And it's that process that never seems to make sense. I don't know about you. Maybe you're different. But I have yet to find a person that got to their future purpose and destiny the way they thought they would get there. We love to go in straight lines. God loves to go in zigzags. I think I'm going towards it and God slings me back. Have you, You're like, God, I'm going in the wrong direction. And what I've learned is just like a slingshot. It looks like the wrong direction. But God is setting you up to launch you out it's never easy preparation is never easy and with David I want to make some parallels look at he he was his preparation happened in the field not in the palace so think about it David was anointed king and when I when I love to take pictures of the Bible and think about it I would think that God would have him in some king's college Right, some preparatory school for kings. Like, isn't that what you do? Like, I'm going to be a pastor, so I'm going to go get prepared at, at cemetery. I mean, seminary or where, you know. It's like, at the end of the day, you think that's the path because, you know, that's what these people do. And it's like, no, 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 God doesn't take us down the path that most people would go. In fact, where you're going, there isn't a path, so God has to create it in the field. 
And so it's really interesting because he's hanging out with smelly sheep. Imagine he's been anointed as the king. So he understands what's taking place. He wouldn't know that now, and, and you can imagine the power of the Holy Spirit is upon him, which wasn't available to people in the Old Testament, but he had been endued with power at the moment of his anointing, which is where theologians believe he began to skillfully play the harp like none other, where wisdom and strategy came to him as a tactician in the military. It's because he had the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of him. So just imagine now i got to go back to do the mundane. Oh, now you want me to go back and, and watch my father's sheep. I'm, I thought I was a king. How many know it's easy to put our, our nose up when we feel we're better than what we're doing right now? And you got to be careful because the world says you're better than that. You deserve people that respect you and honor you and love you. What are you doing with that mess over there? And the truth is God's got you in the mess because you're a mess. Think about David. Yeah, had he had the kingship at that moment, he would have disqualified himself. Why? Because he didn't have what it took to be a king at that moment. God had to develop him in the school of hard knocks. He didn't have a title, didn't have a position. He had to work hard. He had to grit it out. He had to do it in a way that would prepare him for where God was going to take him. And it's always so interesting. God just shows us different paths. I was thinking even of my own life uh, when I was a young man, 24, 23, somewhere around there, we owned a restaurant. And I always felt a call to ministry, but I also felt a call to entrepreneurship. Steve and I had bought real estate. You guys know that if you've been around. And we had lots of properties, several properties. We got into this restaurant. And I can remember this is after my conversion where God really began to put ministry back in our hearts and we would bus in the homeless people to come in and eat at this restaurant that we had. We would feed them. Really, you know what we were doing? We were having church. We would have somebody lead worship and we would sing. And then I would speak and preach and we'd give them clothes and food. And God was preparing me back then. And it was very interesting. I was a nobody at a restaurant in an hour and a half away from Houston. And Steve was on staff at Lakewood. And so his friends, Scott Crenshaw and him, were leading this young adults ministry at Lakewood called The Portico. Had about 1,500 people or so, 2,000 people out there. And lo and behold, Steve calls me one day. I'm just a restaurant you know, owner, not in ministry. And he says, hey, Scott wants to know if you'll come preach for him over here at Lakewood. And so here I am, just a young person passionate about God. I'm developing a church. And it's funny, I, I would have always said I didn't want a church, but that's what I'm doing with these homeless people. I get an opportunity to preach on a stage in one of the greatest churches in America as a nobody. God's spirit moved. His presence moved. I remember coming back and thinking, surely this is it. God's about to do something. <laughs> something. And you know, all kinds of hell broke off in my life. About 20 years later, we would see Anchor Bend become a reality. 20 years of playing in the fields, doing things I didn't want to do that I wasn't qualified to do or overqualified to do would prepare me for the thing that God would show me when I was younger. And so here's the danger. God has showed some of you some things in your life. And if you're not careful, you'll shortcut the process to try to get to the promise. And you forfeit it because you don't have what you need to keep where God wants you to be. The second thing that we got to know is the field is a lonely place. Look, we read in previous verses, you know, we, we read it earlier. They were out at this party and David is the only one in the field. His brothers are with his father. 
I mean, so in other words, look, he didn't get invited to the party. He wasn't the cool guy out there. He got left out. He wasn't part of the in crowd. And sometimes you can come to church. Look, you can feel the same way. You could be here and you're like, man, I love it. We talk about family, but I don't feel like I'm a part of a family. I get it. Sometimes this is what I realized in my life. The people that I needed, the people that I wanted to affirm me, the people that I needed to be around, God would cause it so much so that I wouldn't be there because he needed me to be in a hard place so that he would be my solution and not people. That I'm not looking for that in crowd and to be accepted. I've got to say, okay, God, I will do this even if it's lonely, even if it's hard, even if nobody is around. I choose to play in the field skillfully so I can be a king one day. And, and you look at it, look, some, sometimes in the field, it, it is lonely, and you can think, man, is anybody see my effort in serving? I get here every morning at 545. I stay till 3 o'clock. You know, God will allow nobody to see you because he wants to see if you'll keep serving when nobody praises you. See, David didn't stop watching sheep because nobody prayed. He didn't care. He had an assignment. He was going to look. Somebody, I believe sometimes God will cause you to be a little lonely in church because He wants to know: Will you stay there even though you feel that in your heart? Because a lot of time, loneliness is not that others don't accept us; it's the walls we built ourselves to protect others from getting to us. And God will use it. He didn't create it, but He'll use it to say, "Well, will you stay faithful in the soil that I planted you in?" You know, maybe it's giving. You're like, well, nobody told me thank you. I did a heart for the house deal. Nobody said that. Well, God doesn't care. Like, I know it's lonely. I know it's hard. But will you stay faithful in your giving? Will you stay faithful at your job when your boss, your boss didn't praise you for the extra overtime that you worked? Nobody saw it, but you came in and worked all weekend. You've been working all month, whatever it is. The reality is you are called to that field. And if nobody acknowledges you, it's okay because it's a lonely place. Will you remain in a place when you feel alone? And I got to tell you, look, you, you know, I, I would say this. Get in a small group. Go to Next Steps. Serve on a team. There are ways that we can help you walk through this. I've found that many times for us, it's taking that step. And what God's doing, he's working on our hearts. Look at verse 7. It said, Lord doesn't look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So will you remain faithful? He's building your character, your character. And that's what the field does. The field is where God builds character and develops skill. Character is, will you do it when nobody's watching? Will you do it when you're alone? Will you do it when it's hard? Will you do it, you know, when nobody praises you? Will you do it when you don't feel like it? Will you do it on a good day? Will you do it on a bad day? Will you eat green eggs and ham on any day? Like, that's character. That's character. It's like, man, I'm going to do it. I don't care. I'm going to do it. Now, now, not only you build character in the field, but you develop your skill. What's interesting is shepherding was a skill. And, and now, retrospect, I could look at every area of my life, every season of my life. I'd say, wow, I used that. Wow, I used that. I hated that. But, man, I sure learned some disciplines. You know, uh, there were some things that I brought into this. I'm a better pastor. We're a better church because of all the time God had me in the field. And imagine David caring for sheep, loving sheep. Guess what God calls people. People are sheep. God would call him to be a king, a shepherd over the sheep that God had, the people of God in his kingdom. So as he cared for those little sheep, come on, come on, you got it. Oh, you got a broke leg? I'll carry, pick you up. That's the same way he would shepherd the people God would later call him to lead. 
That's a half clap. So I thank you. There's about two people. That's all right. Go. If you're going to clap, like clap. Like let's, you're like, okay, nobody else clap. Sorry, man. It's okay. It's where David learned how to care for people and love people. And here's something else that you look at. That's where David learned how to defend sheep. So we look at it and we hear the story. David killed a lion. David killed a bear. And sometimes it's like, well, David was just a champion. He, he, he was going after the lion, the bear. No, what David was doing was defending the sheep. Now, think about this. He developed a skill to defend sheep. So when he went to the battle where the Philistine Goliath was taunting the Israelites and the children of God, David wasn't there to defeat the, the, the giant. So do you guys understand that? Like that's, that's where you can see, well, he was there. He must have had some gumption. Like, boom, like he got up there and just, whoo, he killed that lion and bear. No, no, it wasn't, he wasn't bragging on the lion and the bear. What, what he had developed, think about this, as, as a shepherd boy was, I am called to defend the sheep. That giant is threatening God's sheep. So I, you call it a giant, you can call it a bear, you can call it a lion, you can call it an army, you can call it the devil. It doesn't matter. I'm going to defend the sheep. So that means I'll fight and run to the battle of whoever is trying to hurt the sheep. So think about it. He cultivated this, this mentality of I'm called to defend the sheep. And that's what drove him to fight Goliath. And of course, we know he beat Goliath. And so you've got to be careful in your own life not to despise the pain that you've walked through. God never wastes pain. God never wastes challenges. God never wastes the fights that you go through because sometimes you think, well, and, and I remember even when we launched this church, you know, Phyllis and I have told our story about marriage and we'll do it again and we'll keep doing it. And the reason is because the battles we fought are now here to help others fight their battles. The victories we've experienced, we can help others experience in their life. So think about the, the, the battle you fought for your marriage. Whatever happened, God will use that to help others experience the same victory. The battles you fought for your kids, the battles you fought over addiction, the battles you fought to get debt freedom, the battles you fought to get in your life the victory God has, you will be able to help others experience that for themselves. God never wastes pain. God never wastes a battle. God never wastes challenges. The fourth thing is this. Everyone experiences rejection. And I touched on it just a little bit. But you think about it. David's father rejected him and didn't even think he was good enough to bring to the prophet. And I don't know Jesse. Like, I'm sure Jesse loved him. And so I'm not going to hate on him and say he just hated David. But at some level, he thought David was unqualified. I mean, at some level, he had all the best there and paraded them around so much so that Jesse didn't even recommend David. Samuel said, is there another? And what you have to know is this. Those that you love the most are the ones that God will allow to overlook you at times. And so pain comes from those that we love and we're trying to get something from them that God never intended for us to get from them. And then you're mad and you're angry. You're like, they didn't affirm me. They didn't love me. They didn't see it. And that's okay because God sees it. God put it inside of you. God created you with it. And God will never let you get overlooked. 
And so we can't carry the pain of feeling rejected or overlooked. What we have to do is say that, God, my responsibility is to play in the field skillfully so that then God will pull you out at the right time. God will validate you at the right time. Because here's what I know. Had Jesse brought the validation, David's confidence would be in Jesse. David sat there being anointed as king, knowing that God alone is the one that anointed him in that moment. Nobody else and that's the power of God plucking people out of the field it's like no no baby I'm not up here on your authority listen I didn't launch this church because I wanted to be a pastor I didn't launch this church because I thought I needed something to do I launched this church because God plucked me out of a field and said it is time to launch this church so as I preach as I lead as I stand up here I stand up here as one anointed by God to advance the kingdom as a general to do what God has called me to do And some of us are trying to make opportunities happen. We're trying to make people love us. And I have to tell you, even today, people that I love and look up to, it's like, well, they're going to preach for them and they're going to do this. And God just comes back to me. I've been, God comes back. Baby, I will find you in the field. Be faithful in your field. Plow your field. Stay where I've called you. I'll pull you out at the right time, at the right moment, for the right season and the right reason. And then the last thing, this is the last thing the Lord's really been speaking to me is promotion comes when you're in position. I got to be comfortable in the common. So I think we, we, we expect some glamour and glitz and I want to be, no, no, be comfortable cleaning bathrooms. Be comfortable sweeping hallways. Be comfortable setting up and tearing down. Be comfortable tearing down these chairs, setting up these chairs. Be comfortable in whatever position God has you because he's got you there for the right reasons in that moment to learn what he has for you to learn. The lowest of jobs, think about it, watching sheep. He's been anointed. He's watching sheep. Yet God found him right where he was to anoint him. And here's the thing. He served faithfully. That needs to be a word you guys write just on your heart, write it in your phone, faithfully, faithfully. God, I'm going to serve faithfully. His whole life was faithfulness. As his dad would send him on an assignment, it's so funny, his dad sends him on an errand, but God had him on a secret assignment. You know, it's like, I'm just going to do, bring food to my brothers. No, no, God was, it was a setup. Everything you do, you think, well, it's common. My boss is asking me to do something anybody else could do. Well, God is setting you up, baby. God's got you in that place at that time because there's a divine setup. And if you'll stay faithful, God will bring the promotion at the right time because you've not gotten out of alignment. And that's the challenge we get out of alignment. We're like, God, I thought you were going to do it. He's like, yeah, I thought you were in the field. That's the last place I told you to go. Right? It's like, well, but, but, but and, and that's anytime I've seen mistakes in my life where I've gotten out of uh, where God wanted, it's because I removed myself from the field that God had me. And here's the challenge. You've got to always go back to the field. Like it may not be the same boss or the same company or the same place, but he's going to put you in the same situation because for you to rule and reign in the dominion he has for you, you got to learn the lesson he needs you to learn in the field. You cannot bypass the process to get to the promise. And so in our life, this is what we realize, God, I'm going to get in position for preparation. 
And, and, and God, whatever that is, God, wherever you've called me, whatever you're asking me to do, I'm going to do it. And when it's time, you will promote me at the right time. And so even in preparation for tonight, Eli, you can come up. I, I was just thinking about a couple of things. You know, there are some of you that are struggling because you're in that field. You know, you're in that place. You know what I'm talking about. It's like, you know, it ain't smelly sheep, but you can say whatever else it is. And it's, it just seems like it's mundane. And it's like, oh, my God, I cannot believe this. Like, you put a dream in my heart. You give me a vision. You know, maybe it's a husband. And you're like, good Lord, I'm still single. And I know what he's supposed to look like. And, but that might change to the next person that walks up. Oh, God, it doesn't matter. You know, maybe I didn't see it right or hear it right. Or, and you're about ready to move out the field. God's called you. Say, no, 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 baby, you ain't called to get out of your field. You know, the job, the whatever it is, it's, it's like, God, I've got to stay in my field. I'm not, I know you're struggling. I know it's hard. Listen, it had to have been hard for David to know you're a king. And his brothers, you think they treated him any different? No. When he went out to go to the battle, one of his brothers practically cussed him out. Like, you fool, you idiot. What are you doing? You're, you're full of pride. I mean, they, they had no respect. It was contempt. And yet he had the same anointing, the same Holy Spirit. He was, he was anointed for the day. And yet it never says he retaliated. He just said, okay, I'm going I'm to stay in my field. I'm going to stay in my lane. I'm going to do what i got to do. And I just want to encourage you, some of you, you, don't allow yourself to remove yourself from the field. Let God do it. Because if you ever create a door of opportunity by yourself in your flesh of your own, you have to keep yourself there. And that's, that's where you died. It's devastating because now you got to manipulate. you got to control. You got, it's all you. And it's oh, so hard. It's so hard. It's like God, God said, I never told you to move. It's so hard, God. I thought th- he said, No, no, I never told you to move. I got grace for where I've assigned you. You stepped out of my grace. You stepped out of my assignment. Not me. I didn't call you. Because where I have called you, I will equip you and I will give you what you need. So some of you are struggling, and I feel like God wants you to, to realize you're in the right place. Don't allow others to pull you away. God will pull you out at the right time. You're not too old. It hasn't been too long. That's the lie of the enemy. You know, even for me, you could say, well, I'm 42. God, I thought I had dreams. And some of you that are a little bit more mature than me, you're like, you're a youngin. And then some of you younger than me, you're like, man, he's old. You know, it's. But at every stage, you're like, God, I thought I would be a little further along. I thought my kids would be a little healthier. I thought my marriage would be a little better. I thought my finances would be a little stronger. I, th- I mean, it's, it's everybody. It's not just you. That's the, the tale of life. Life is harder. It takes longer. And it's more of a struggle than we ever thought. But all we are called to do is to remain in the field. God's called us. So are you serving and you're about to quit? Don't quit. Are you part of a small group and you're like, I just can't keep this in my skin. Don't quit. Your marriage is on the rocks. It's like, if you're, man, if you don't quit. Your, your family, you're about to give up on your kids. Don't quit. Just stay in the field. God, I'm going to stay right where you have me. And then, then I felt some people are lonely. And this is what I would say. If you're lonely, some of that happens because of the walls we put up. Some of the acceptance that we're looking for, God won't give us. But God will always give us relationships that will sustain us. And so you've got to make those initiatives of, God, I'm going to get in a small group. Well, you know, I'm just a little too busy. Yeah, yeah, but you're not too busy because we got to have healing. We've got to have the relationships. We've got to have the people we call. I mean, I was on a phone call today for 45 minutes with one of my dear friends. And we're just talking about life. And, just, and it just goes back to like, man, when I got off the phone, I felt like, wow, 
I've been poured into. It's relationships. God didn't intend for us to do life alone. And then the third group was this, that you feel rejected. You feel rejected. You know, there's moments, again, there were moments where my pastor growing up, I was like, man, he never, never says anything. And then someone would say, well, pastor was saying how proud he is of you. And I would, you know, mom and I would talk about it. She said, but that's because God doesn't want you to get affirmation from a man. He wants you to get it from him. You know, Mary's sister over there saying all kind of. <laughs> and I can remember it. And even today, there are people that it's like, man, I wish they would call me. They called someone else or I wish they would. And it's like, man, we just have to say, look, I refuse to allow myself to operate in a spirit of rejection. Like, like it shouldn't be a part of our life. Like, you are good enough. Some of you need to say, I am good enough. I am qualified. I am the right person. God, you have called me. And though nobody ever sees me, God, you see me. I've had to tell myself that even recently. It's like, God, my litmus test is not how many people show up here. It's awesome, man. God's moved. My litmus test is not if everybody likes me. And what I realized was I can't lead people if I need people. And God said, I need you to need me, not the affirmation of people. And when that happens, you can lead people. I was feeling rejected. Isn't it funny how you can have thousands of people love you and one person reject you and you carry a spirit of rejection. And that's what God really dealt with me even in this message. Don't, son, don't carry a spirit of rejection. It don't matter. You're going to have the haters going to hate. Come on, Reverend Taylor Swift. The haters going to hate, hate, hate. Thought you knew. She's a reverend. Somewhere. <laughs> Sorry, come on, girl. Some of you need to shake off the rejection that you've been carrying around that God never intended for you to carry around. You got a church full of people that love you. We love you. We care about you. We embrace you. So why don't we do this? Why don't we just stand up? Those are really the three. I wonder if... I, you know, tonight's a little different. We're going to close in just a minute. If that's you, maybe you'd be bold enough just to come down and let our ministry team, we just pray for you. Look, Sunday mornings, you rush out. We do it from the thing. But if that's you, just move quickly. Don't think about it. Just say, man, that's me. I'm struggling. One of those three, you know it because when I said it, it landed in your heart. Come on, just move. Any of them. Any of those three things. It's been a struggle in the season of being in the field, whether it's loneliness, rejection, either. Just move quickly. What we're going to do is we're going to begin to pray and, uh, and really have the ministry team pray over us. And I'll say a general prayer, but ministry team, I want you to go ahead and start getting into position. Vanessa, where are you at? You guys up here? Where are you at, V? Come on. We're going to sing just a minute. And then what we're going to do is we're going to do a little bit of flow time. We're going to, I feel like God, and if you have to leave, listen, we totally get it. We feel free to go and get your kids. It's been a great night. Um, I want to spend just a few moments praying. If you're down here and you want prayer, scoot up towards the front so we can see. Yep, keep scooting in. There you go. Ministry team, you guys go ahead and get in position. Let me pray a prayer, and then we're going to start ministering to you. Father, we thank you for the message that's gone forth tonight. Lord, I'm asking you to move in a supernatural way in the hearts of the people that have responded. God, everyone here, Lord, you are moving in their hearts. God, I pray that in the name of Jesus, everything that has vexed them, God, the rejection, the loneliness, the struggle of 
not being able to stay where they're at. God, I pray you give them strength. You give them grace. You give them hope. You give them power. Holy Spirit, fill them up from the inside out. That God, tonight is a turning point. That God, you have prepared them. You are preparing them. God, you are creating a way that seems to be no way. And Father, we declare now in the name of Jesus, the heavens shift and their life move in Jesus' name. Come on, let's worship.